Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the not-absent-anymore legendary Randy Erickson. It's sort of a hiatus, not that it was really planned, but kind of knew it would. Um, the time I get back from Worlds and other people are back and settled in, it's just uh, taken a while to uh, connect with people that are interesting to talk to and have interesting things to say about an interesting sport we're all interested in. Interesting, huh? Sorry. Anyway, um, back in the swing of things, we'll uh, obviously probably have a bunch of episodes about uh, Cameco Cowboy Tough Adventure Race World Championships and Family Reunion, starting this week with... uh, Abby Perkis and Brett Freeland with Rootstock Racing. Been rocking the Rootstock hat for a while. Quite honestly, I don't know if they have any to set any for sale, but you should ask them to. I don't like wearing hats anymore, but it's probably one of the most comfortable ones that I have. So I wear them all the time. Anyway, um, I'm feeling a little bit recovered which we actually chat about that in this week's episode about uh, recovering from expedition races and driving all over hell and gone to cover an expedition race so that'll be coming up a little later in the episode um flying solo tonight put the birds outside because it's hot chili's on her way home so we can go for a hike and um better close this up so I can get this all put together and uh, posted for you tomorrow. So uh, I promise not to miss any episodes. Well, fingers crossed. And uh, enjoy this one. Excuse me. Enjoy this one. Uh, go fast. Take chances. And thanks for listening. Bye. Ah, I hear you. Ah, good. Can you hear? Yep. All right. Turn that off so I can hear better. Ta-da! <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, you know, you know how many times that's happened to me, and theoretically, I sh- I should know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. Ah, okay. First question: Is it really always sunny in Philadelphia? No, it's supposed to be rainy tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So that that TV show has been on like for 20 years, and I've never seen an episode of it. So I have no idea what it has to do with Philadelphia. <laughs> if it makes you feel better. I don't. I mean, I can't speak for Abby, but I've never seen it either. No, me neither. <laughs> Yay! So we're <laughs> we we're all cultural. Yeah, cultural freaks. So. Um. Okay. Uh, we're, oh, I know what else I wanted to complain about. How come both of you? Made it into like one of my favorite pictures separately from the race. Are you oh, just that photogenic. <laughs> well, I like the one of Abby with where she's carrying the paddle bag, and you yeah, can't I even you see her. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably guessed the other one too, the one everybody else liked. With the one with where everybody Brett. thinks that I'm making a mess of the maps. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I was so much more organized than that picture makes it seem. Well, I think anybody that knows you probably is not going to argue that. <laughs> you seriously yeah. had people commenting on that picture? Yeah, yeah, they're, they were they're, they were making fun of you for not being organized. <laughs> All right, I, w- I want names, I want addresses, I want phone numbers now. I'll uh, I'll put I'll post the link to the picture in the show notes so you can yeah. see who it was. <laughs> It, it really does look like you just don't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it looked like, you know, there's maps all over the place. and Well, when they know. give you 50 maps at the start of the race, it's, uh, <laughs> it takes a couple minutes. Well, how many how many did you have to carry to start with? Because were you able to figure out, like, okay, we can put these maps in the gearbox, or did you just, like, have to take a bunch to start with? Yeah, no, I mean, we had to – I mean, the way they the way they set it up, um, for us, we got all of our maps when we got on the bus, um, and we'd already turned in all of our gear bins the day before. So we did not have the option of uh. stowing anything before the race started. But um, 
you know, we were pretty careful and deliberate and, you know, triple-checked ourselves, but we had kind of organized all of our maps into, um, you know, gear bin bags so that when we got off the bus, we had packets of maps. Um, so we had to start with everything, but, you know, the first gear bin we saw, we were able to drop um, a bag of maps there, and then at the end of the next transition, we were able to drop more maps in a gear bin in our bike boxes. So we were nervous that we were going to screw it up, but, but we got it right. Um, but we did have to carry everything for, I think, the first three full legs. Yeah. And quite a bit through the first four legs, and then it was, um, you know, easier to get rid of maps. Sure. That is, well, that's kind of interesting because I was kind of joking, but I, I just, yeah, realized, yeah, you you did have to carry them all. Yeah, and this race was interesting because rather than each person having their own gear bin, we had four team bins that we saw at designated areas. So we had to be super deliberate about what we put in each bin to make sure it was we had what we wanted where we needed it. So and you guys got basically got planners ahead of time. Did it did it work out or did you make any major screw ups? No, I mean, thankfully, in terms of what really was important, there were no screw-ups. The um, the only thing that we actually did screw up, and it was totally me, is we had all planned to put our sleeping bags in one place, and um, mine didn't make it, made it into a different bin, so we got in for um, our first real good sleep of the, the race, and I didn't have my sleeping bag, but we were in a hay barn, and it wasn't too hard to crawl under a couple of bales of hay and get warm. So it worked out perfectly fine and frankly might have been more comfortable that way anyway. So <laughs> And I'm guessing that was at South Pass City? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um who who uh, who on the team stepped up and took a shot? Mark a real and shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think it would have been a good idea for me to have alcohol, especially hard alcohol mid race. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they're such tiny little shots. I mean, well, of course, that's, that'd be like a full-size shot for you, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm a tiny <laughs> little person, so when you put it together. I think a tiny little shot for Abby on night two or whatever it was of the race would have been the equivalent of about three shots. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, you're forgiven. Um, well, just is there anything that you forgot about the race that you didn't write about? <laughs> <laughs> you asking if there's anything we left out of our race report? Yeah. Uh, huh. Which I think some people were calling war and peace in the in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah maybe. I think that may have been me. <laughs> I, and, and let me say, I loved it. I, I, I mean, I've seen, I've read, I've read probably all the race reports, but I really, really, I like, I like that detail. I like how you went into it, but. You know, and you, you you had a little time afterwards, but yeah, what what did you forget to put in there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but thank you. I mean, first of all, thank you for the the kind words. I do tend to go on too long. My um, advisor in graduate school made that very clear that my writing was a bit too verbose at times. But <laughs> hey, it's what works for me, so that's what I do. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I. Was I harsh enough about myself? I I really had a pretty bad race physically. I felt like at times. I'm not sure if I was honest enough about that. Uh. <laughs> Brent was unbelievably strong at night. When the sun went down, he totally came alive. And I think during the day, the heat took its toll more than more than it has in some other races. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really used to being that much of an anchor on our team. But I was uh, felt like I was an anchor at. At per, for pretty significant stretches of it, which kind of bummed me out, but and I think he's being a little hard on himself. I was going to ask you, Abby, is that really true, or is that Brett's no. view of it? You know, it was one of those races where we came together so well as a team, and having three navigators, like any time there was a question about route, we, you know, the the three guys nailed it, and I just followed along. Um, that said, there were very few moments where all of us were feeling good at the same time. So I think it was more a race of kind of finessing the team piece and making sure we were helping each other out than just powering through, um, which is what that course was built for. And we're, we're never going to be a team that excels at horse races. 
Um, but I think for what this course offered us, we, we had a pretty good race and, and we, I think we all really enjoyed the course. Um, subjectively for each of you on a, on a totally arbitrary scale of one to 10 rate each of your race and the teams. You, you were in the pack raft with us on the last leg, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) We kept ourselves awake by doing ratings of pretty much everything we could think of. Uh, oh, what was the rating of the rating game? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I guess for, I think for our team, the way we were built, considering that we really hadn't raced with Andy before, which wasn't something we were worried about at all. We know him really well, and Mark has raced with Andy, you know, plenty. So, and we've raced with Mark plenty. So we, we weren't worried about the team dynamic at all, but you know, and we've raced with each other a couple of times too. You know how it goes. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that, that race with people they think they're going to get along well with and it doesn't go so well. So that was great. Um, I think from a, a teamwork perspective, I think it was, you know, I mean, I, I would give ourselves a, a 10. I think we had a great race as a, as a team goes. I think, physically probably give ourselves like a six. I think Abby might've said this, but we just, we had one leg of the race. Um, kind of the, the first part of the big bike where, um, you know, it wasn't too long. I think it was what 35 miles or something, but 6,000 feet of elevation to get into sinks Canyon. And, um, that was really the only time that I think all four of us were feeling relatively good. Um, I think every other stretch of the race, at least one person was struggling for significant chunks of each leg. So that was probably like a six. Like, I, I don't think that was particularly great. Um, so, you know, overall, let's give it an eight for the team. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'd give myself maybe a five. <laughs> You've got to go way higher than that for navigation. Um. I just, you know, Randy, I mean, you know this a little bit, and I know some of our friends know this. Um, you know, we had a pretty rough month leading up to the race yeah. in having to make the hard decision of um, saying goodbye to our 14-year-old dog. And that just, uh, you know, that took a lot out of me. Um, he had been my kind of dog first. And uh, the month... The, the final month of training for me, which should have been like, a, you know, really finalizing, getting ready for the race, just went out the window. Um, and I think I went into the race just kind of having blown my training to, to a degree. I mean, you, you only lose so much, but when a month kind of goes out the window, you, you do lose something and mm-hmm. just felt pretty fatigued. And I, I think it showed. I mean, I, I have issues with heat and things like that as well, which affected me um, and would have affected me anyway. But but I, I think I just really kind of was not myself physically for the race. So, I, you know, it was disappointing for me to feel that way. Um, but, yeah, the, the navigation went well. The navigation wasn't that difficult. So it was, um, you know, I don't know that I pat myself on the back too much for it. But, you know, things did go smoothly from that, from that standpoint. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm hearing that it wasn't all that easy of navigation, especially on the treks, that, that that everything had a tricky little bit. So I I think people that are saying the navigation wasn't that big a deal are a little disingenuous because I want to use a word like verbose like you did. So, um, <laughs> I mean, am, am I right or am I wrong? I, it wasn't well, just straightforward. You know, I, um. My perspective as a navigator uh, is that, you know, what kind of happened in two or three spots where things didn't quite line up the way that the map suggested they should. Um, And, you know, I mean, as Abby said, we had three navigators on our team uh, and three, I think, pretty solid navigators, um, if not quite good. At, at navigation, and we didn't, you know, we, we just didn't really have much trouble figuring it out once we kind of, you know, realized that things weren't lining up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we kind of made things work all the time, and, and it just worked out fine. We, we never felt all that that confused by it. Um, and and I, I definitely understand why, why other teams struggled with it, uh, and I'm not trying to suggest that 
you know, other teams didn't do a good job with it or that were better than others. But, um, you know, we still didn't find it to be particularly hard to sort out once we kind of put two and two together. Um, maybe we got lucky. I, I don't know. But, you know, we kind of always knew where we were. And, you know, there were a couple spots where the trails didn't quite line up. But you could kind of work your way through them if you took your time and, and put the pieces together, which which we did. So, you know, aside from, I think there were three pretty distinct moments for us where we felt like things got more challenging, but the rest of the race was was pretty straightforward in terms of navigation. So compared to like an untamed New England or, you know, like an expedition Alaska where you might be off trail for 40 hours um, with nothing but terrain to navigate by, it, it wasn't particularly challenging navigation. Okay. So what, what three... Um, places was it was it more confusing than the others? I'm I'm curious because I you know yeah see how it is for everybody. Yeah, I mean the first one was um the uh, the end of the first mountain or the first bike where there was some single track checkpoint six where mm-hmm. I mean gosh from what we heard there were teams that were losing you know three four five maybe even more hours than that on that checkpoint. And, um, you know, on the map, again, it looked pretty straightforward. You kind of rode a single trail up a kind of a, a creek bed, and there was a trail that cut off and basically took you up through one or two more turns to the checkpoint. And we were riding by ourselves at that point of the race. It was a nighttime and looking for that trail turn and um, got to a point where, uh, like I said, things weren't quite lining up. Uh, we rode a little bit further and then were able to piece, you know, piece things together and realize we had gone too far. We knew exactly where we were on the map. Um, and at that point, we actually came across, I think, five or six teams that were kind of running around in all sorts of different directions. Um, and some alluded to the fact they'd been there for a couple of hours. Uh, and we just we looked at the map and we realized, you know what, we missed the turn. Um, but we'd been looking pretty closely, so we figured the turn was probably pretty difficult to to find. Maybe it wasn't there anymore. Um, we looked at the map. We saw an alternate route that would get us to the checkpoint. Um, it didn't quite, you know, end up looking like it did on the map, but we were able to kind of work our way through that, just keep ourselves going in the general direction, and we found the point without much trouble um, at that point. So... I think we made up three, four hours on some teams that were right around us at that point. Um, the second one was on the, the Continental Divide Trek, which was the next stage after that. And, um, you know, early in the leg, you, we had already kind of realized that the orange route that the race directors had plotted on the map and suggested was the CDT was definitely not lining up the way we thought it would. And then there was one part in particular where I think you know this, everybody ended up kind of bushwhacking or going long ways around and being confused there. Um, And our issue actually, you know, the funny thing there was we were with several teams and a couple of them kind of headed off the main track and started the bushwhack in the proper place and we kept going because we actually found some um, some further orange CDT blazes um, further down the road. Um, so we kind of stayed on the road a little bit longer than we were supposed to, realized that we had gone too far again. And at that point, we, we didn't really know. I mean, frankly, we just didn't have enough information. Um, we'd been told before the race that the orange track was roughly the CDT, um, and you know, we didn't have any more information than that. So, you know, we figured that if we went back, we would find a good trail. And obviously at that point, there was no trail. It was just kind of a, a general route across the mountain to the checkpoint. Um, but again, once we kind of got in there and, and realized that there wasn't a trail, we just kind of went with it um, and were able to actually pick up the old boundary line that the orange trail was plotted on and make our way across the terrain just fine um, and and find the checkpoint just fine um, at that point too. Um, But that was the second one. And then I think the third one was um, actually the... the, Beginning of Pathfinder? Well, that's a different one. Um, (laughs) I guess there was like that fourth one. 
the, the third one, I think that um, things just seemed really funny were the end of the CBT trek. Oh, yeah. Coming down off the mountain. Um, you know, again, we were supposed to follow this orange track, and the roads that we found ourselves in just, it, it, things just didn't line up with what was on the map, and we just kind of stuck with compass bearings and, you know, made sure we didn't go onto private property and found our way to the checkpoint as well. And that was just kind of frustrating because we just never quite knew whether we were in the right spot or not, and it was dark, but it worked out. So yeah. was that was that going into South Pass City? Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. it wasn't the last part into South Pass City, but um, there was there was a road crossing uh, mm-hmm. with a checkpoint on it. So it was getting to that road crossing, and then the final part into okay. South Pass was okay. But okay, yeah, because I didn't spend a lot of time there. You know, a few hours, but. I, I, you know how you sort of just hear things when you're standing around, and it it seemed like that last part was a lot harder than it looked like on the map. Yeah, there were just yeah. there were a ton of trails in there. It may have been an ATV area. Um, I don't know. I think it's just old roads. But... Maybe the checkpoint above it was an ATV was the was start of an ATV park. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was just a lot more development in there than it looked, and there was clearly private property marked on the map, but we weren't sure yeah. whether it was going to be signed, and we just wanted to make sure we avoided that. So, just a little bit of picking our way through, and it was yeah. dark at that point too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The the hard navigation never comes in daylight, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the the one the the one last one that Abby alluded to was kind of our one real mistake, I guess, was uh, at the beginning of the pack rafting at the end, going down to the Pathfinder um, Reservoir. There was a checkpoint, which you know on the map looks super straightforward. It was just on a trail, and uh, I actually I, I had us on the right trail, and I knew exactly where we were, and uh, we were paralleling. Uh, Dart Noon and um, I think Quest AR were kind of about a kilometer off from us, kind of off-trailing. Um, and I had us on the trail that took you straight to the checkpoint, and I knew where we were. And, you know, as we crossed the high kind of spur, you could see the reservoir down below. And, um, you know, on the map, the trail was supposed to essentially lead straight to the water. And it was very obvious that the trail we were on was not going to take us anywhere near the water. Um, and so we kind of veered off the track and uh, ended up angling up and meeting up with Dart Noon and Quest. And all three of our teams kind of spent like two to three hours searching for this checkpoint in an area that lined up quite well with what was on the map topographically, um, but the checkpoint was, in fact, on the trail we had been on at the beginning. So It's one of those moments where you're, like, trying to get in the head of Mark Harris, the race director, <laughs> thinking, we, you know, this point has to be how he wants us to get on the water. That's the purpose of this point. So why mm-hmm. isn't it lining up with what would be the straightforward way to get us on the water and um, the clue was on, was it the west side of Reservoir? So all of it seemed like it was going to be straightforward, and then I think because of the water levels, it just it just kind of threw us for a little bit of a loop. And it was also at the – we got stuck in a storm right then, so we hunkered down under our pack rafts, and there was just a lot going on in that moment. Um, so what mm-hmm. we started at 4.30 in the afternoon, that trek, you know, that was a 10K, pretty straightforward trek, and didn't end up getting on the water until 10.15 p.m. Yeah. yeah, it did take a little while. How do you um... – how does it happen that we can make anything look like the map? <laughs> I mean, I I have uh, Paulette and I were hiking one day, and we it was like the most perfect example. I mean, we absolutely matched the map. I mean, everything was perfect except we were like three kilometers too far west, and and even once we figured that out, it still looked right. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> is, is it because yeah. you want it to be, or does everything sort of look alike after a while? I mean, I think it's both. I mean, there's times where I think I, I genuinely have made a navigation mistake because you know you end up in a feature that really does look exactly like one you're supposed to be looking for, and I don't mean just like a simple one. I mean like a 
you're in a reentrant that makes a sharp 90 degree turn and then there's a waterfall and you find one that does exactly that and you feel like what are the odds that it could be the same one and or a different one and it is a different one so i think sometimes it's that i mean i think one of the funny things about this race that we remarked on kind of several times was um you know i think mostly on the cd cdt trek it felt like when we were trying to trust what we had been given on the map, which was deliberately given to us, you know, they, they mm-hmm. GPSed a route on there, you know, so we're, we're trying to trust what's on the map and it's not working. And then we try to be a little bit more flexible and we try to kind of, you know, work off the map a little bit, but then that's not working and we should have stayed on what they had given us. So, you know, it kind of felt like on that section, it was just like a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't type section a little bit. Um, you know, so we really tried to just kind of keep making forward progress, try to keep ourselves mostly going in the right direction. And, and it worked out fine for us on the CDT trek. Um, as for the reservoir, it's one of those like funny, you know, yes, water levels change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked about that even, you know, at the time. We were talking about that even with with Quest and Dart as we were all kind of crisscrossing for those couple hours. Um, but I don't know. Once we found the checkpoint, it, it was a it was a good three-quarter kilometer or so, maybe even close to a kilometer. It was like a 15-minute track. Difference, which just huh. felt, felt like a lot. I, so yeah. I'm sure it's just physics and geography, but... I don't know. It just it felt like it didn't quite match up. Yeah. Um, so. But but when you found the checkpoint, did it look right? <laughs> well, it's pitch black outside at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we don't have an answer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure it plotted fine. You know, on yeah. what what was mapped, however long ago that map was made. I don't know how out of date those maps were. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it was fine in that regard. Um, yeah. And luckily, so. I don't. I don't think it affected our race too much. We were able to move on from it and had a good last, what, 36 hours or 24 hours. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That's the thing you never know about maps because, you know, when you were here, Brett, that the road that we took in yeah. to go hiking, that paved road, really nice paved road. It's not on it. It's not on a USGS topographical map of this area. Really? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Um, it was last. The map here was last updated in 1957. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, just that's the fun of USGS maps. Like you just you kind of got to roll with it, and sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. And I'm sure we've all been on both ends of that one before. Yeah, and I think that really affects. The foreign teams, because it seems like everywhere else in the world they got good maps. Especially in you know the UK and parts of Europe, they really pride themselves on their maps. So I'm sure coming over here or like going to China, like Bob McLaughlin was, is that his name, Bob McLaughlin? Yeah. Yep. Saying on his interview with you, where you know the maps in China were just completely wrong. I think I think yeah. that must throw people for, you know, they must be totally disoriented by that. Yeah. So. We'll just do a, we'll we'll do a little bit more about this whatever this little race we were in, and, we'll, and then we're going to talk. Then we're going to talk about the big race coming up. But um, Abby, you mentioned getting in Mark's head, Mark Harris's head. Yeah, is that helpful if you know a race director and have done his races? That that yeah, you can kind of figure out what he wants you to do. I think. I think it it can be really helpful. I think we've done the Rev3 Epic several times. Mark's, Mark uh, Latanzi has done Cowboy Tough before. And so we kind of know how Mark and Mike conceptualize their race, what they prioritize. Um, I think being race directors as well, we can wear both of those hats. So trying to think like a race director, even though our the courses we design are quite different from the courses they design. Uh, we've had moments where it's bit, bitten us in the butt a little bit. We did the untamed 24-hour race in 2013, and we're trying to put ourselves in the heads of Grant, the expedition race director, not Grant, the 24-hour race director. And we totally overthought parts of it and tried to <laughs> and ended up on this trail that like hadn't been touched by human feet in 200 years. 
Yeah. Um, so I think it can work both ways, but. Or neck deep in a bog. Oh my gosh. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally, we were walking across the swamp during that race and I went up to my bike helmet in a swamp. Um, so, so I think it can, yeah, it, yeah. it can bite you a little bit too. But yeah. in this race, well, I think it was useful, especially for us knowing, knowing what we were getting going into this race and knowing that it doesn't, it's not, it's not a course that would necessarily play to our strengths. I think it was better for us to know that ahead of time and to wrap our heads around that and to have that, those set of expectations going in than expecting something like Untamed or Alaska. Yeah. Well, just as a side note, you don't want to get inside Grant Killian's head. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, we try to stay um, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, makes being inside John Malkovich look like a Disney movie. <laughs> so, um, you get contrary to maybe what it sounds like. I think you guys seemed to have fun during the race, didn't you? We had a blast. We well. Yes, we had a blast as a team. Uh, we had a blast, the four of us, just just working really well together. Um, we, I think all of us loved the journey that the course took us through. We got to see some amazing spots. There were parts of it that were slogs, but there are parts of every expedition race that feel that way. Um, but I think I think we were all really pleasantly surprised by the race and 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 felt really good about it. I'll let Brent no. as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think for several of those long legs, you know, they, they certainly dragged on a bit. So yeah. the tail end was not so much fun on some of them. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought it was a fantastic journey. It was a beautiful journey, um, you know, across the state. Uh, and, you know, we got to see a lot of, really pretty cool stuff. Uh, I would have liked to have done a little bit more exploring than just kind of journeying through, but um, overall I thought it was a, a great, a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's common knowledge. If you're going to race in Wyoming and finish in Casper, you're going to have a couple of bike slogs, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, all right. I, you know, I'm lying, but two more questions about, yeah, sure. Cowboy tough. <laughs> no, um, when, when in the race do you start to feel like we got it? We're we're going to finish. I think for us it was after the long bike. Uh, uh, we knew that the two big trekking legs were going to be bears, and also that we're a relatively strong team on foot. So. Felt like we would be able to to make our way through them, especially if there was navigation. And as Brent said in his race report, we were either kind of ignoring the long bike bike ride willfully, or just not letting it enter our, you know, not not having it enter our consciousness because we were focused on other things. Um, but once we got through that that 163 mile ride from Sinks to uh, where did it end? To Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah. I think we were able to start to to see the end. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the, yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I, I actually might have answered the question slightly differently, only in that, um, you know, before the race, I think we looked at the, the course schematic and everything and all the information we had, and I think we felt pretty confident in um, our ability to get through the full course. Um I mean, you never know for sure, and obviously any time an injury happens or something like that, things can get derailed. But barring that, I think when we started the race, we felt pretty secure about the full course, and we had some rough kind of time estimates in our heads, and we kept knocking those time estimates off. So I don't think, for me, I don't think there was ever a, a time where I was worried about getting to the finish. Um, but I think psychologically, getting through that, I mean, it was a huge kind of sigh of relief, you know, once we actually kind of got through where you where you saw us at um, in the Ferris Ghost Town. Mm. I think after that, it kind of felt like the rest of the race was downhill. So psychologically, I think it got a lot easier after the, the Ferris checkpoint for us. Yeah, it was after that bike ride that we looked at each other and said, okay, here's the plan. Let's get back to Casper by dinner on Tuesday. Um, yeah. We were able to kind of like envision an end time for it. Which is perfect because my next question is, is, when do you start thinking about what you want to eat when you finish? 
Well, when did I ask you guys that question? Uh, <laughs> it it may have been I on think that it was the the ride in the Pathfinder. We yeah, were, the the yeah. end of that ride after we saw you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the final kind of 10k downhill um, ride to the TA at the end of the bike, you know, when you realize you're you're basically off your feet and off the bike for a while, and you just have one more bike at the end. And uh, we were just kind of hell-bent on trying to get in for a real dinner at a reasonable hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brent yeah. had prime rib on his mind. Yeah, prime rib for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did where did you go? To the fort. Okay. We walked down to the fort. I think we had dinner at like 7.30. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable. I slept through my prime rib, but I did <laughs> I did eat it. I just don't remember <laughs> eating it, but yeah. Yeah, there was a great conversation afterward where he said, hey, guys, my plate is basically empty, and I have no recollection of taking it in. <laughs> um, which what what's harder to to after the race to catch up on sleep or food? Hmm. So we have a three year old at home. Um, oh, so you're used to no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> who was home from camp last this past week? So in, in some ways that was really exhausting, but in other ways we had like a built-in two to three hour nap every afternoon, hmm. uh, which I think helped a lot with catching up on sleep. Yeah, I think our, I think both of us commented today actually that I think it feels like our metabolisms are still not really back to normal. Yeah. So maybe maybe the food. I've never really thought about that before. I, well, I've never really thought about the food part of it before, but I, I think maybe the food. This time at yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had the fun of having to drive back cross country when the race was over, which I think um, prolonged the kind of mental recovery. But I think I'm over that at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was for me, which you know, I'm I'm at at ten percent of uh, deficiency compared to you guys. It was Tuesday after the race before I felt. Like I didn't need a nap every hour. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, do you like? I, I I certainly know from you know race directing and just being around people like you at, at expeditions. I know you guys often are as sleep deprived or close to it as mm-hmm. we are. Do you feel like you have um, kind of strange relationships with food as well when you are covering an expedition, even if you're not racing? Um. No, because we kind of eat pretty normally because mm. you know you know you get burritos in at daniel junction and okay we may or may not have <laughs> bacon cheese bacon cheeseburgers and a shower and a real bed on night two um, <laughs> right yeah. yeah so so um we're not eating bars and and you know mm. cold dehydrated food so the food is is way Almost normal. Okay. For, for, I know for sometimes, me. Sometimes you guys get out there for pretty long stretches of time before going back to civilization. Yeah. Um, you know, for me specifically, though, I'm back almost probably twice a day to, to upload. Um, yeah. So that's kind, that's kind of built into my, uh, you know, my job, the way I see it. So. Yeah. Did you map that out ahead of time where you would be able to get service? Yeah. Well, actually, um, market had it figured out pretty good. You know, had we had a supplemental map like, yeah, you'll get 3G here. Oh, that's um, great. But then again, you can be, you know, at Ferris. Well, <laughs> I was uh, showing Whitney pictures of Olaf at Ferris, <laughs> uh, you know, out in the middle of nowhere where, you know, I I was getting a 4G signal, so oh, that's right. You said you got a text from Cliff White there. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's really weird how that works. Sometimes you can be in the middle of nowhere, and and, and if it happens, I'll stop and, and uh, upload stuff, or you know, at least do a, a, a an update. Yeah, take um, advantage of it. Yeah. So yeah, and obviously you guys are working way way harder, but sometimes you know if you're driving two hours yeah. at midnight. It's it it gets a little old. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's harder than biking two hours at midnight. I think in terms of staying awake. It might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Physically, physically, the effort is not there. But yeah, sometimes 
um, which is uh, why I like traveling with Chris Radcliffe because um, we sort of keep each other going. Yeah. And uh, we don't even fight. <laughs> I guess it's cause, maybe it's because we only see each other like once a year that we can put up with each other. But right. <laughs> so did you? Um, um, did you have like a, a favorite spot or two on the course in terms of being able to spectate and see people coming through? Yeah, actually, I have an answer for that. Um, where you guys were, where we were with you at Ferris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, we had been there earlier and down, you know, like another mile past the town uh, okay. where you guys went through a fence a gated fence yeah 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 or, yeah so actually that's where i had my flat tire um oh. so and that's a good story because after 10 years i had my spare tire fixed so i could get it off yeah. and i needed it yeah good timing <laughs> it was i mean i knew i was going to need it this year I just knew it, so I got it fixed. Um, so we got two teams there, you know, in the sand and, and, you know, there. And then, I don't know, we got four or five teams there at Ferris. So there and Fremont Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. pack rafting. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, we were in there at night. Yeah. There it's it's there a pretty no cool. Yeah. And, and we had really good access. I mean, I had scouted it before the race, the day before when I got there, so I... Um, you know, we could we could literally jump out of the car and be down on the river in like two minutes in these really deep canyons. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so those two places, um, you know, the bike path was kind of fun because it got really good pictures with you guys running out of out of out of the uh, Jackson. Oh so. yeah, um, yeah, um. So this other little let's let's move on to this other little race that's coming up, <laughs> like World Championships Part B, East Coast version. Yeah, that's how that's exactly how we like to think about it. <laughs> so or maybe you know the urban urban World Championships, or because because you guys are putting on a race, and you get it's like a real adventure race, kind of in the middle of the city. Yeah. So yeah, we have um. We have two fall races coming up. Um, our first one is actually not a traditional event race at all. Um, but uh, our second one is, yeah, we, we um, our Two Rivers Adventure Race, we are, well, I guess we're hosting it around the Wilmington, Delaware area, which is probably like the last place you'd ever expect there to be an adventure race. But um, we are pretty excited about the course we're doing there. Um Last year we did our 12-hour race in uh, in Philadelphia in our home city. Literally, the course went basically through our backyard. Yeah. Um, and you know, before that, when we had worked uh, with Ann and Bill Gibbons at uh, for Goals Adventure Racing, um, one or two of our courses, one in particular, kind of had a, a semi-urban flair to it. And uh, we we've just found that people seem to respond well to that. You know, I think that. Uh, uh, we certainly still like putting, you know, wilderness type events on, and our, our our race in October is very much in the wilderness. But, um, you know, people seem to like a change of pace once in a while. Um, so, you know, we, I guess, we're not really trying to copy what, say, like the Wild Onion did way back when. Um, yeah. our, our races have been probably a little bit more straightforward and less, uh, not gimmicky, but just like less full of kind of special urban challenges but Mm -hmm. kind of more of a traditional adventure race just happens to be in a urban or semi-urban environment so yeah and we happen to live in an area on the east coast where there are incredible green spaces in and around these cities so that that people don't take advantage of in this kind of way so to be able to string together these different parks and for this for this year in particular we have access to land that's never been used in a race before um, while also bringing people through the heart of Wilmington. So we're really excited about kind of that juxtaposition and, and giving people a taste of super fun single track and pretty dense bushwhacking and, you know, all of the above in one 12-hour stretch. So that's, so our, how did, that's our December yeah. Two Rivers race. Yeah. How did you find uh, virgin, quote, territory in uh, Wilmington, mm-hmm. Delaware? That's well, kept secret. <laughs> you know, yeah, we have to be a little careful of what we say, but um, let's 
we can say this. So in short, we you know, we don't want to give the wrong impression. It, it's not like there's um you know virgin uh, untouched forest, uh, yeah. but um, kind of down in southeastern Pennsylvania and you know northern Delaware, um, there are these massive old farms that have been well preserved over time and. Um, I actually have a, a good friend who, um, whose family owns one of these large farms. Um, yeah. And so, you know, last year we were actually visiting, uh, visiting him, and we, we were actually kind of just loosely throwing around the idea of maybe running our, our two-hour family race or something on his farm, and, um, or on, on his uncle's farm. And um, we got to talking to his uncle and kind of started looking at maps and realized that, you know, we might be able to piece together a bigger bigger event. Um, Using several of the farms down there. Yeah, and, and one thing led to another, and, uh, you know, the owner of the farm, uh, my friend's uncle, basically kind of helped us coordinate with a few of the other big uh, kind of old moneyed farm, farm owners around him to kind of create this conglomeration of land that we can use for uh, for one part of the race so cool um, so it's pretty cool it's um you know I think some of the some of the land is is active farms some of it is not some of it's just preserved there's some um, really old ruins and relics on the farms we've just we've just like stumbled upon these incredible things in the woods yeah um, so, sounds cool sounds a uh, mysterious yeah, it, yeah, it, it is a little bit, and I think um, you know some of the mystique of it is just being kind of on some of the land. Like, let's just say some of the family names you would recognize yeah. if you've yeah. studied U.S. history at all. Um, okay. So yeah, I think it'll be just kind of a novel, uh, novel part of the race. And it's our final race of the year. So last year we kind of did it up. We had a big party afterward. We rented out a bar in Philly. Uh, we ended up actually having the U.S. premiere for Expedition Alaska there because the producer, Brian Lighton, was was competing in the race. And we're, we're looking to do something similar this year, some kind of, you know, bar event after the race. So still piecing that together, but we hope it'll be another fun concluding event to 2017. Yeah. So um, so what else you got coming up in the, between um, now and then? So we uh, well, we've actually got two other things. One is not well. I guess it is technically open to the public. One is um, we're actually designing a race for the Girl Scouts uh, of America, which Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess yeah, but um, the the Eastern Pennsylvania branch, which um, is not something we actually sought out. Somebody came to us with the uh, with the opportunity, and you know we don't have particularly strong feelings one way or the other um, necessarily. Um, it wasn't like our, our mission, but we were really excited about the idea of designing a race specifically for girls and getting um, you know more girls out into the woods and competing in sports like this. And um, yeah, the race is in two weeks, and they have over 250 people signed up for it. Which we were like, "Gosh, you have to tell us your secret." Um, <laughs> so we're super excited for that one. It's a two-hour race, lots of girls and their moms, some families, and then they're doing sort of a whole camp weekend out of it. Yeah, so we do a family race of our own every year, and this is kind of like a, a second family race. And honestly, doing the family races is is probably the most fun that we have as race directors, just because the kids are just so much kind of more relaxed about everything and just have such a great time with everything, um, and are really out there for the spirit of it. You know, one and all of them are so. Yeah. But then our our second event, we actually have to give you quite a bit of credit for this one. Our 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 in some ways, it's our biggest event of the year. It's called the Stockville. And um, I think sometime last year, maybe last spring or early last summer, you had uh, Aaron Prince on your podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about the mountain marathon events that take place over in mostly in the UK, but, you know, kind of scattered throughout Europe. And uh, we were really kind of fascinated by his stories of the race and had never heard of the mountain marathons, um, the OMM or, you know, various others that are out there. And we kind of did a fair bit of research and decided uh, we really loved the format of it. So our Stockville race in mid-October is basically a, a mountain marathon with some with some alterations um, compared to how they run them in the UK, but it's a, basically a two-day event. Um, we had a pretty small field last year, and unfortunately, 
you know, we had scheduled our event way out, but a couple other events came along and scheduled their events the same weekend. So I don't know that we're going to have a huge field this year either, but um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so you start, you know, at a designated point, and you get your maps for, for the first day, and it's a point-to-point running, trekking, navigation event to a remote campsite. The minimum first day course is roughly 15 miles, and it's a healthy mix of overland travel and trails. You know, Pennsylvania is known for boulder fields and some more technical terrain, and it's at the height of fall foliage, so the colors should really be popping. And then we've designated the campsite as Stockville, kind of a, a little a village. Um, mm. And so we have Christmas lights up, and we have campfires going, and we have all-you-can-eat s'mores. Uh, and then everybody camps there for the night. They wake up the next morning. They get their maps for day two, and day two takes them a different route, but back to the to the start location. Um, so it's a little different from the mountain marathons because uh, the distances the distances are actually not longer, but the terrain is is quite a bit different. So it takes a lot longer to get from A to B. So we we give teams you know ten to twelve hours on day one and about ten hours on day two. And uh, do they have to carry everything? We decided to be nice last year, and we carried tents and stoves. Cook gear. Cook gear, yeah. And that ended up being really critical. We didn't we didn't realize it at the time, but we had 25 cadets come out from West Point, um, which was awesome. And they were they brought so much energy to the event and. Sounds like they're planning on coming out again this year, and they may be bringing some folks from the Naval Academy and maybe the uh, the Coast Guard. And Coast Guard. Um, Coast Guard. And uh, but they had you know a communal stove, and they had very very heavy tents, so it would have been like impossible yeah. for them to carry that gear with them. So it worked out really well that we had made that decision ahead of time. No. So yeah, you're we... starting the the uh, new version of the Army Navy game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We kind of pitched it that way yeah. for them. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're actually, we, we, we really would like them to kind of rally the troops, so to speak. And, <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, we, we've tried to reach out to a couple of the other academies to try to pitch the idea because, you know, they do actually compete against each other in, in um, national A meets on the East Coast somewhat regularly. So we were hoping to maybe, we actually created a military division, hoping maybe that they would um, all jump on board and uh, come on out, but it was great having them. Um, yeah, it turns out that the there, there's like a military subcommittee or military liaison for the National Orienteering Body, and he happens to be the advisor for the West Point Club. Yeah. Uh, so there's some nice connections building out of that. Cool. Yeah, sounds like sounds like it actually could be a, a kind of a really cool event. Yeah, standalone almost, even with just the military, but. Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely could be. So, yeah. um, but I mean, yeah, the we went over actually in May. We went over and did the the OMM, which is the original mountain marathon, kind of the biggest of the mountain marathons. They have a a couple of um, kind of side events, and one of them is in Iceland. And we went over and competed in that in May, partly for fun, partly it was our 10th wedding anniversary, and uh, partly to just do a little bit of recon to see how they run things, um, comparatively speaking. But, you know, it was remarkable, like, seeing some of their elite fell runners over in the U.K. who are used to just, you know, running on basically grass. And, you know, they, they carry these absurdly light packs, uh, you know, I feel yeah, like... Titanium stoves, they use... Chinese takeout containers as their as their pots, uh, bubble wrap, bubble wrap as their and, yeah ground pads. But uh, you know we think we have light gear, but but they really kind of put us to shame. But the interesting observation we had was for a lot of, and I think we take this for granted sometimes in our sport. You know, for a lot of um, intro level athletes who don't have that kind of gear, telling them to come out be totally decked out and then carry everything for 14 hours a day, um, it's prohibitive, you know. And yeah. I, I think that for a lot of people, um, understandably so, they say, you know what, I, I'm not really interested in carrying a 50-pound pack for 14 hours today. Yeah. 
So we felt like, you know, one of the concessions we could make would be to lighten their load a little bit, but still make them carry, obviously, their mandatory gear, their clothes for the entire two days, their food for the entire two days, their sleeping bags, their sleeping systems, you know, still asking them to carry quite a bit to give it that expedition feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Team events, solos? It's primarily a team event. We designed it as a team event. We decided after a fair bit of um, nudging from people that we would allow solos, but it's a remote enough area and the cell coverage is, is pretty spotty that we ask that solos give us some sort of race resume just so that we can feel comfortable that, that they're able to get through it on their own. And, and I yeah. think that worked out really well last year. Yeah. And the dates? October 14th and 15th, 2017, in yeah. Tuscarora State Forest. I I know somebody that needs a little fall event and has a plane ticket that she needs to use. Oh, oh. yeah? Oh. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, I can't mention names. Just she, She'd be embarrassed because she has to sleep with me every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would be absolutely welcome. And she, we, we know that we know her race resume would allow her to race solo as well. Okay. So I should probably I should probably make her do it and find her a team. Because some, some, let's face it, sometimes teams are fun. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm. Well, we'll have to, I'll have to, we'll have to think about that. Because um, it's, I mean, I, I remember seeing the, you know, the 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 mountain marathons. I don't know. It seems like a long time ago, many years ago, and it and like well, that kind of looks like fun. Yeah. So. We had a great we had a great time. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, when you're doing it in Iceland, that helps. But yeah, we kept remarking on it. We I think we had seven hours the first day and six hours the second day, and you know, you're camping in the middle for I don't know, like fifteen, sixteen hours. It, it yeah. seemed like so much downtime to us. Yeah, we but, actually. This is a little bit embarrassing, but we each carried a book because we were like, "What are we going to do at mid camp if it's raining? Like, we're going to be there for yeah, for forever yeah. in a day." So. We carried a book. We never opened them. We just, you know, had the extra relief for training for worlds. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, is that because it's just like a communal? Everybody's just having a good time and hanging out. Well, I think for some people, that's that is how it is. Um, I mean, for us, the, the reason we didn't crack our books is because uh, Pete Spagnoli and Sherry Himes are good friends. Who I think yeah. you know both of them happened to come over as well. So, like, when we got over to mid-camp, um, we actually kind of pitched tent right next to them. and They shared know. our romantic mountain house anniversary dinner with us. Yeah, yeah. We, we just kind of spent the whole time with them. And, and we met some people for sure, but we actually were really surprised. The, the crew that was there, um, who all were relatively experienced OMMers, I think, mostly from the U.K., they kind of got into mid-camp and... Um, they all kind of just like went into their tents and mostly went to sleep. Um, (laughs) You know, I think it's just a different mentality. Like most of them, that's kind of the longest, it seems like that's, that's the longest type events that they do. And they're not used to expedition races or 24 hour races. So, and they pushed really hard for um, those six and seven hours. Yeah. We finished. Felt like we were getting going. So, well, I think that's true with expedition adventure racers yeah you yeah 14 hours i'm just getting warmed up right yeah right exactly right yeah (laughs) it was also you know in iceland in may it's 24 hours of daylight so which was yeah which was incredible to race in in alaska when we were racing for seven days continuously it's a little more challenging to camp in that yeah that's true um yeah and you're in iceland why do you want to sleep right right that too (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, damn, we're gonna we'll have to wrap this up, or we'll be as long as Brett's book. But um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes because it is a it's a really good read. You'll people will enjoy it. But um, you guys got any plans yet for next year? Any thoughts? Anything on your on yeah. the horizon? Yeah, we're we're signed up for Untamed. Um, Abby had to be the first person to sign up for Untamed, so we've been signed up for that for about two years. We had to throw a grant. <laughs> <at the start. laughs> um, yeah. um, yeah, we 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 had also talked about doing. Um, Abby and I had talked about doing XPD 
together um, next year. It's you know we're both teachers, so it's almost impossible for us to race outside of summer months. And uh, yeah. this year's XPD does line up actually relatively well with our spring breaks, which is a first. So we have different spring breaks, um, um, but we couldn't quite pull off the childcare. So I'm gonna sit sit that one out, and Brent's trying to put a team together for it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but but I'm starting from scratch because. Uh, all of our teammates are either unavailable or not interested, and our usual kind of standbys aren't interested, and sounds like a lot of other people are not interested. So <laughs> I'm kind of working on that. Not sure Brent's if it's going to happen. Brent's clearly developed a reputation. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to race with the guy that writes long race reports. Well, they should because then they don't have to. Uh, it's right. true. I can, I can write race reports for everybody. So, so yeah, the Untamed and potentially XPD for Brent will be the big ones, and then we'll throw in a couple, you know, twenty-four to thirty-hour races throughout as well. Well, and you got uh, the Shenandoah. That's kind of in your neighborhood. The uh, the Rev Three or the Adventure Neighborhood yeah. race. Yeah, it's yeah. at the start of the school year, so we're uh, pretty locked into June through August. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. so. We are really excited about. Um, rumor is that Kate and Cliff are going to turn their main race into a 24-hour race, and uh, they've done a great job both years. Um, that we've I mean, we've gone up for both of their races so far, um, and uh, we'd go up again for a shorter race, but um, a 24-hour race up in coastal Maine just sounds amazing. Um, so. We're crossing our fingers that that comes together because that's uh, probably tops of our wish list outside of expedition races for next year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, yeah, the race has been good. They're probably ready to get the experience to step up a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they have great supports up there, a lot of land managers that are super happy to work with them. And, yeah, they put on a really good event. Yeah. Well, we'll just – Kate and Cliff, if you don't put on a 24-hour race, you never get to be on the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, the the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah. So, but, um, are you? All right, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Are you off to go Boston? ahead? Yeah, that's um, it's a little yes, but um, it's a little bit up in the air just uh, for a bunch of reasons that. With 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 Mike the driver, so okay, it's, yeah. Well, it's it's not a big deal. His wife had um, a kidney transplant and it failed, so they're trying to get another one. Oh, oh my goodness! Okay, yeah. So he's he's pretty confident that, and and I don't bother him very much. Yeah, so, um, yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, he's pretty confident that he'll be able to put it together. I mean, the plans still go. So, and okay. I got to go to NARS, and I may get to go cover the uh, Indian Wild Horse Relay World Championships next month. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, what is that? <laughs> um, well, I just shot one yesterday. It's, it's, it's a team. They have three ponies, one rider. They have to do a lap, like a half-mile lap on the horse, change horses, I'll bareback, do another one, and change horses and do another one. So oh my huh. God. it's actually really pretty cool. Yeah. So um, that's how yeah. yeah, the the world championships are up in Billings. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> actually the guy I shoot monster trucks for is doing their PR, so <laughs> I had to get some video. <laughs> I know. It sounds way glad it sounds like I really have a glamorous life, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Get to hang out in ghost towns with adventure racers. That's actually that's pretty glamorous. So yeah, yeah, it sounds like fun. It is. It, it really is. And I get to meet. I well, it comes right down to it. I like hanging out with you people. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean that you people in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, you're, you're one of us people. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. The feeling's mutual. Yeah. yeah. Regardless I, of whether you have Pepsi to give us. All right. So good thing I had enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty clutch. <laughs> so, all right. All right. I'm going to go because Chili's coming home and wants to go for a hike. It's cooled off. So thanks for the chat. Yeah. Thanks, Randy. And thank you as always and keep up the good work. All right. This is going to be a record because this one gets posted tomorrow because oh. quite honestly, people are like, 
We want an episode. So here you go, people. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, See Randy. You later. Have a good night. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Yes!